1: Welcome back. I said we're going to talk about guns, and, and that's true. In just a moment, we will get to uh, the Leland's very Gun Report. We should get one of those big voice announcer guys to, to introduce that for me. I like talking about guns. Maybe we'll make it a little more regular here on the program. We're going to get to it in just a, a moment. Uh, there is some stuff playing out in Washington, D.C. right now and right here in the state of Utah on the firearms front that uh, I think you might find interesting and informative. We're going to get to that. Just a moment, but something uh, something a moment ago caught my attention. Uh, each day, each day I from the Utah Department of Health receive a report of the the goings on in terms of case count here in the state of Utah. There's some data that is distributed at just about one o'clock or a little after uh, each day. Uh, it looks at, it gives a like a, a number report on those who have tested positive. You heard that number reported just a, a moment ago, 514 new cases since yesterday. Uh, since the vaccine showed up here within our state, they report each day how many vaccinations uh, have been administered, and that since yesterday has been 3,087. All that's very good. Uh, and then also, of course, the, the unfortunate detail uh, we get is the number of Utah's to lose their lives as a result of the coronavirus, the most recent report uh, shows two, uh, one male, one female. The male between the ages of 65 and 84, uh, a resident of Washington County and a uh, Utah, uh, Utah County resident, female, between 45 and 64. Uh, both were hospitalized uh, when they lost their lives. Uh, but those are the details that we get in these reports. Also, uh, hospitalizations, uh, 308. People currently hospitalized, that number's coming down. Uh, I have, if you've noticed and you've been following this data, I haven't mentioned the rolling seven-day average. As I have mentioned the rolling seven-day average, honestly, for has it been, well, I guess not quite a year yet, but since you know these re- reports started getting handed out, uh, I would each day come on the air and share with you these details, and you would hear them uh, during newscasts here on the program. There's been a, a bit of a change to the way that those are re- being reported. L- let me read for you the explanation from the Department of Health. You, you see, uh, we, we got a, a new rolling day seven average formula, uh, essentially, one that that very well may cut the number in half, simply by the way it is measured. Let me read for you exactly the explanation given by the Department of Health uh, and there are some resources they give uh, for folks like me to better understand this stuff. I'll try to get a, a better uh, grasp on this and why the change has been made but 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 before we get to that I will read you exactly what the health Department says okay uh, and you and I can uh, unpack this all together It reads note. The Utah Department of Health is now reporting two measures of percent positivity. One measure is determined by dividing the total of unique individuals who tested positive by the unique number of people tested positive. One more time. One measure is determined by dividing the total of unique individuals who tested positive by the unique number of people tested. We call this people over people. This method does not account for people who have had repeat positive or negative tests in the last 90 days. This is the method we've been using to report percent uh, positive since the beginning of the pandemic. It biases the current positivity higher in the current testing environment. Okay, now here is the, the second part of this explanation. The second part is this. Starting today... We will also report percent positivity based on the total positive tests divided by the total number of tests administered. We call this the test-over-test test method. This method is now used by at least 37 other states and provides a better comparison between what is happening across the country. This method accounts for people who have repeat positive or negative test results and more accurately reflects our increase in testing. It biases the percent positivity lower in the current testing environment. I, I wish we'd been doing this from the beginning. You know, I'm no epidemiologist, uh, I'm no viral, whatever the ologist is (laughs) that's appropriate for making decisions like that. I'm not one of those, and I am reading through this uh, basically for the first time just with you here. Uh, But I have have often wondered how those who are tested repeatedly uh, factor into this, especially those who, you know, maybe for their employment or whatever circumstances they may find themselves in, are being tested, uh, you know, maybe every day. I wondered how those uh, those tests factored into and were, how they were measured. And it seems that in this test-over-test test method uh, that we, we get a better handle uh, on that. Anyway, uh, we're going to continue to sort this out. The Department of Health has uh, some some videos to help clarify that. We'll comb through those. Whatever the case is, uh, the numbers are all uh, trending in good directions. Okay, 504 new cases since yesterday, that's, uh, that's positive. Uh, and uh, the number of hospitalizations right now, 308. that's good. Uh, well, you know you, you want it to be zero, uh, but we've seen numbers uh, scarily higher than that. Anyway, uh, that is all a tangent. That all is just something that caught my attention as the daily data is shared by the Department of Health. And oh my gosh, look at this a text, master, a text messenger says this, I predict you'll never get to the gun story. Well listen. Uh here's, here's the deal. I, I do have 30 seconds left in the segment here. I'm going to tease it up. Uh, and if you wouldn't mind hanging out uh, throughout the break, I'll be back afterwards. And then I've got uh, a full segment. I'm not going to get distracted by anything. Nothing. It's only guns. <laughs> OK, uh, so here's the story. There's a piece of legislation, a piece of federal legislation right now, which would uh, call for and bring about a gun registry. Every firearm would need to be registered in the United States. And I, you didn't hear me talking about this last year, even though it was introduced, or the year before that, or, you know, for, for many years prior, because the climate, the, uh, the control of the House and the Senate and the White House, uh, you know, since bills like this have been introduced, has not been aligned in just this way. And so in years past, you could say to yourself, uh, well, no, that's, that's, that's just a, one of those messaging bills, they call that, one of those messaging bills. Where a lawmaker will introduce something uh, just to, to show the world or their colleagues or constituents or whoever that they feel a certain way about an issue with no real uh, belief that that will become law or will even find time in committee. Well, uh, this year may be different. This year might be different. I'll share those details with you next, plus some developments on the firearms front here in the state of Utah. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome back. All right, now it's time for the Lee Lonsbury Gun Report. Now it's time. I am not going to get sidetracked. I don't care. No emails are going to distract me. No cryptocurrencies are going to distract me. Nothing. We're talking guns. That's it. Uh, let's start here in Utah. There's been a, a development in the effort on the part of a number of lawmakers to, uh, to, to make Utah into a permitless uh, carry state, meaning That if you are of sufficient age, you could carry a firearm in a concealed fashion uh, without a a permit. That is the case in many other states. And there have been efforts like this here in the state of Utah in the past. And uh, this year here, uh, it's looking like it's going to become the law of the land. Uh, we've had some conversations uh, thus far with uh, the bill's sponsors, in particular Representative uh, Walt Brooks. And I think we've spoken with Senator Hinkins a time or two about this and uh, what it would mean for Utah and what it wouldn't mean for Utah. It, uh, if, you, if you believe the, the study, uh, it, uh, pieces of legislation like this, when enacted in other states, uh, doesn't automatically open up the state to rampant crime. In fact, if you if you believe the studies, exactly the opposite takes place, and we may be uh, one of those places here coming up pretty soon. That's a, that's a good thing, uh, I think. I think it's uh, really up to the governor now whether or not uh, he signs this piece of legislation, HB sixty. Again, the piece of legislation that would uh, drop the concealed carry gun permit uh, requirement here in the the state of Utah. You're in the state of Utah now. You might listening to this ask yourself, well, what about what about all those out-of-state folks that that get that seek a Utah permit? And what about me if I, with my Utah permit, am able to enjoy reciprocity in in other states? Uh, you know that have an agreement with our great state. Uh, what happens when the permit goes away? What's going to happen to me? Well, guess what? The permit is not going away. You can still get one. Absolutely. And those out-of-state folks can still get one. And so if you are one that, uh, you know, every is it every five years, I think, uh, or three, five, I forget. Uh, I should check my permit and make sure I'm up to date. Uh, you, you renew online uh, and, and you travel around the country and you're aware of where there are reciprocal agreements with states allowing you to carry in their state with a Utah permit, uh, that'll continue. Uh, that that world will continue. In fact, uh, speaking with Representative Brooks not that long ago, uh, he pointed out that uh, it may even enhance some of the uh, reciprocal relationships with other states. And maybe we'll get even more. Who knows? Anyway, uh, that's the that's the first update. Uh, We are very close here in the state of Utah to dropping concealed carry permit requirements uh, in the state. Uh, If you if you know if you're old enough and you're not disqualified for other reasons, uh, you'll be able to carry a firearm without. Uh, a, a permit in a concealed fashion. Uh, what's next? Oh, here's just a really quick, Lucinda, on want to tie up because we've been following the saga of Colorado uh, Republican member of Congress, Lauren Boebert. She is the one who uh, asserted that she uh, wanted to be able to carry her firearm in the Capitol building uh, when, when this whole conversation uh, kicked off. Uh, with lawmakers and carrying firearms, she was really the first and loudest voice. Uh, Even though she's kind of brand new to Congress, she was uh, very loud. In fact, uh, she produced a a video, uh, a very dramatic video, of her uh, marching around portions of Washington, D.C. with, uh, as it seems, uh, a firearm concealed. Anyway, here's just a, a quick portion of that video to remind you.
0: Hi, I'm Lauren. I'm a newly elected congresswoman from Colorado. Even though I now work in one of the most liberal cities in America, I refuse to give up my rights, especially my Second Amendment rights.
1: Members of Congress can, uh, according to the rules of Congress, they can have firearms in the in the Capitol complex. They just need to keep them in uh, their office. And there may be a few other little areas where they can move around, but not on the floor uh, and not in certain, I think, committee hearing rooms, but in their office, certainly and elsewhere on the site. Uh, members of Congress can have firearms. But then the question is, well, how do you get them there legally? Well, uh, for Lauren Boebert, uh, she has answered that question. The update in her story is that the chief of police of Washington, D.C. announced in a press conference, and why this is being announced in a press conference is beyond me, but the chief of police for Washington, D.C. announced That uh, Representative Lauren Bobert has been issued a concealed carry permit for the District of Columbia. Again, no idea why that gets announced in a press conference, but it was. And uh, and if he's telling the truth, which I I believe that's the case, uh, then the representative uh, can now carry uh, legally throughout the District of Columbia and get into her office. What do you think about that? You got any strong thoughts? Five seven five zero zero. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Feel free to weigh in there. Now the third. Uh, and arguably the, the the biggest gun headline here I need to update you on is a piece of legislation that was introduced uh, this Congress by a Texas representative, a Democrat, Sheila Jackson Lee is her name. She's been in Congress for, for some time. And her piece of legislation is it's something she's introduced a number of times. And so you may have heard about this in the past. You may be uh, well aware of what she has proposed in the past. Uh, you know, gun rights folks have been able to laugh off the proposal because the the climate and the makeup of Congress and the White House uh, was it was just there was no way for this legislation to to progress. There was no way for it to become law. Well, the lay of the land is a bit different. This Congress and this year. Senators, uh, Democratic senators control the United States Senate Uh Democrats control the House of Representatives and, of course, the White House. And so uh, there has really been no better time uh, for this to be introduced, at least in the eyes of uh, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. Now, uh, I'm going to go through the details of this piece of legislation here in a second, which include a national firearm registry. But I would point out that there is th- there are still tools available available. Uh, to those who would oppose this legislation. That's the filibuster, all right? Uh, It would take 60 members of the Senate to move this through. There aren't 60 Democrats. There aren't 60, to my knowledge, supportive of a national firearm registry or the setting of a minimum gun ownership age at 21, requiring that a license be issued for everyone owning a firearm a license that could only be secured after psychological evaluations. That's right. That's what the piece of legislation proposes. That's what uh, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee proposes. It would also require gun owners to pay for insurance and also would ban ammunition greater than 50 cal. Law enforcement and some personal security folks would be able to uh, get that larger ammunition, but uh, larger than 50 cal uh, would be banned. I, I don't, I don't agree with that, but I do wonder who's writing that one because I don't. I, and I've been buying and selling guns and ammunition for years and years, and I've never, I've never personally fired uh, or uh, purchased anything larger than 50 cal. Anyway, uh, where am I off though? Maybe, maybe there are some. Uh, anyway, that that was almost a tangent. See, I caught myself. and came back from the edge there. Uh, anyway, what do you think? I, I wish that uh, I wish that these days I was able to get out and do uh, a little more uh, target shooting. but man, ammo, it got expensive. And, and so firearms haven't been on my mind that much lately just because the, the there's a scarcity. Well, uh, this piece of legislation here brought it right back to the fore uh, and this climate here. We'll have to see. Uh, let me know. You following this? 575 00 to the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Quick break when we return. The top two at two. The top two stories at two o'clock next on KSL News Radio.
0: Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything.